0: Because great leaders will produce great results.
1: All right, welcome back to our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners. This is your host, Rob Schallenberger. And this is one of those podcasts that is going to be one that I think you can come back and listen to over and over again. And just to set this up and tee this up, I'm a people observer. And whether it's in the airport or whether it's walking around a park, I just love to watch people and observe. And our guest today is Paul Cardall. And I would call him probably one of the amazing, most amazing people that I've ever observed. You know, I've watched him on Facebook. I've watched him through the years. He's a composer. He's arranged all kinds of different music from Christian to classical to new age, all kinds of different music. And man, he's just amazing in what he does. And then I started learning more about his story. And I'll let him tell this, but he had some heart issues, born with some heart issues, ended up having a heart transplant. And really just an amazing life story. And so we're going to stop this at around the 30 minute mark, but man, I think we could probably talk for hours based on just what I know about Paul. And so I think we're in for a treat today. This is exciting to have him here. And we're going to finish this podcast by playing one of his songs. That's how we're going to wrap this up. September wins. And so you're in for a treat today. And so Paul, first of all, I'd like to welcome you and thank you for being here. And so glad to have you. It's nice to be with you, Rob. Thank you so much. So, Paul, I gave a, a high-level overview, but maybe you could shed a little bit more light on your background. And you and I talked about this beforehand, but I'd really like to focus on two things. Your life, lessons learned through life, because just following you, I've seen your posts and you have a wealth of amazing yeah. life experiences and lessons learned. And then we can shift over to music for the second half, but maybe just tell our listeners a little bit more about you, your background, and your experience. And then we can go we sure. from there. Sure, you know,
2: and and kind of music kind of inter interweaves into my entire life because each of us at some point discover a gift. We all then, with this gift, find our purpose. And when you know your purpose, you're on fire because you now have vision and direction of what you need to be doing. And so I came into this world, and day one, I mean, they operated on my heart. I told my parents I only had half a heart, so I kind of grew up with this always in the hospital scenario, people get educated, they, they go to college, they plan for retirement. I lived in an environment where they were not sure if I would even make it the first year. And so the idea that life is fragile was always instilled in me from day one. And there was that idea, like, am I going to ever have a chance to get a driver's license, go to college, fall in love, get married, do all these things? And so this was the environment. But fortunately, I had parents who were very optimistic. My dad was a broadcast journalist for the local news station. He would ask tough questions of the doctors. And the two of them worked together. And not everybody has that type of support. But I'm grateful because of the predicament I was in. You know, it was around my teenage years that I discovered the gift of music that became kind of like it gave me understanding of why I was dealing with all this pain of being in and out of the hospital. You know, we we have these challenges and we're always asking, why is this happening to me? A friend of mine who uh, was perfectly healthy, played the piano. You know, he was killed in a car, a car accident, and I was devastated. And I had a lot of questions for, for God. I was like, Why do I have all these scars on my body? My parents are spending a fortune to keep me alive, and out of nowhere, my friend just gets killed. It led me into my my parents living room where i sat at a piano i had not been at the piano since i was like eight years old i took piano lessons for like six months
0: Hmm.
2: i didn't like it at all rob it was there at that moment that i began to play a couple notes you know and if you're in the hospital you hear the beeping noises of machines the beep 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 and what a lot of people don't know is that those tones those are the tritones that are actually used for scoring music for horror films Huh. And it's this crazy thing. This crazy. yeah. So when, I, so when I started playing like these three notes, there was a melody. And imagine being so cold and freezing. You know, you're out on the ice in the snow. And then all of a sudden, your mother comes and puts this warm blanket around you. And for me at that moment, it was as though God just lit me up on fire and helped me understand. I got you. I love you. And I made you for a reason. And your friend is with me. And so it was that moment, Rob, that I started to recognize something that I knew I needed to do. But it didn't really take effect until I went and played the song for his parents. And they called the neighbors. And then they called more neighbors. And so people were requesting. So that vindicated, okay, I'm to something. Let's see where this goes. And that's, that's kind of the beginning of, of having... Can general heart disease the leading cause of infant-related deaths? Surviving that, but then using music, music healed me internally. So it's been my life mission to use music, instrumental, calm, soothing piano
1: music, to heal your heart. And that's been that's kind of where the path I'm, I'm on. Yeah, amazing. I actually have two more questions before we talk about the power of music. So you had that transformational moment right there, and then as you started to develop that gift of the piano what was that like? Was it just very natural for you? I mean, do you have perfect pitch? Is it something you can just sit down and play things? Or did you have to really get in there? I mean, of course, there's a combination of work and and gift, right? But what was that journey like for you once you discovered that, hey, this is something that this is something that's a part of your life and your DNA? What happened after that? Well, I loved music. I mean, I was the
2: FM, this is the 80s. they would have the countdown every night. (laughs) I'd put the radio under my pillow, you know, and create my own natural subwoofer. My dad was always like, turn it down. We're going to sleep. I'm like, I got to listen to this Duran Duran song or Rush or whatever. And I would go to the piano and I'd have relative pitch. But you have to understand the piano to me looked like a puzzle because I didn't really have many lessons. And the keys were like, like, the piano was life and the keys were a puzzle. How do I figure out life? How do I figure out how to make it work? Because there's so much sadness. And yet there's so much joy. You have all these opposites. So as I would sit and play, I would just work things out. Hmm. The way we process trauma in our minds or process decision-making, positive things we need to do. I would work it out through music. And so I never was like writing The Sunset. It was like, this is how I feel. Hmm. And if you listen to the music, there's this underlying sadness. And yet there's this overwhelming hope. That life is worth living. And so the music enabled me
1: and then began empowering other people to recognize their value. So powerful. We're going to come back to the music. Let's keep walking through your heart journey because ultimately you ended up with a transplant. Is that right? Like a full heart transplant? How did that all come about? What was that like?
2: I had a major open heart surgery at age 13 where I, I almost died. I had a couple of near-death experiences that seemed very natural. And then I had a, another heart surgery a year later, got pacemakers. My friends were like, it's cool. My grandpa's a pacemaker, so you're, you're good. <laughs> but then I started building this business, a music business. And 22 years after that third heart surgery, I went into heart failure. And I was required to wear oxygen full-time. They gave me a, you know, the advantage, man. They, they gave me a handicap parking pass. So I was like the front row at Costco. i could get in on the jazzy and get the dirty looks from the older ladies like that's my jazzy and you try to milk it take advantage of it but i was dying and uh you know we're all dying some of us just die a lot when we're 100 like my grandmother but in these moments what that was all doing for me was what do i want to leave what legacy what can i do to make the world better Instead of leaving my shadow behind, I want to leave light behind. And so, you know, I did everything I could to understand business. and Because you don't just get into like the music industry. Nobody wants to just sign a record, uh, sign a piano player to a record. Level. So I had to create all this on my own. But what fueled me was that knowledge that I could be gone in a year. I waited 385 days on the transplant list. Ironically, my younger brother, who suffered from mental illness, he was working on his PhD. He was bipolar, but he was a genius. Uh, he had an episode and ended up t- ending his life. So he passed away while I was waiting, and that was just bizarre because because my dad was on the news. That you know, it came over the radio that the son of Dwayne Cardall has died. My house started getting all these phone calls, like "We're so sorry, we're so sorry," and I got to hear what people would actually say in the event that of my death. But it was so devastating. But I knew when my brother died that there was no way my mother was going to lose two sons. It fueled me to kind of preserve his legacy. I made a promise that a year after his death, I would bring everybody up to this mountain he would climb called Man Olympus. I could never do it because I had heart problems. I, was, I couldn't breathe. I, I was slower than most kids. I, I was picked on for being having bluish purple lips and not enough oxygen. To give me the right color. So a year later, yeah, I, I ended up getting this incredible heart. And when you get a heart transplant, it's like, imagine you're driving this beatable truck all around and it's grandpa's truck and everybody loves it, but nobody wants to have it full time. It's for the garden, it's whatever, it's trash. And then you take this truck in and they hand you the keys to a Porsche. So once I got a heart, like for the first time in my life, my I had to cut my fingernails every month. My hair started growing. Uh, my voice started, I mean, I was 36 years old. My voice starts changing. Like I was going through all the hormones. So it was, you know, it was very unusual knowing that I had the heart of another person, somebody who had signed up to be an organ donor. And that's, that's a whole nother ball game. Like trying to wrap your head around somebody dies and you live. But as a Christian, it's really empowered me because Jesus laid his life down. And if doctors can take my heart out, clinically I'm dead, and then put another heart in me. As a Christian, I have no doubt that Jesus can conquer death. We eventually, if you don't believe in Jesus, I assure you, we will conquer death. And, and down the road, maybe—and this is way out there—but down the road, millions of years, somebody will go, "Okay, that's God." So, and and I always just echo, it, it already happened. Somebody already conquered death. So I'm just evidence of the great miracles that
1: are happening in this world when we put our minds together. It's a really work hard. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. So, you were 36 years old when you got the heart transplant. Is that right? Yeah, 36. And, and maybe not to get off on a tangent, but I'm just curious. I've never really, I mean, I have thought about it, but not now that we're talking about it in that context. Yeah. Do you know who the heart donor was? Do you know the background or did it just show up? No, I do. I do. There are HIPAA rules to protect their idea. Yeah, and you don't need to share it here. I'm just curious. Do you know what? Yeah. No, family? he was a
2: state amateur boxing champion. Yeah. So I told my wife, you know, Hey, listen, but if, uh, if, if, if you see a fist flying, it's not me. It's, the you know, But you know, that's a dumb joke, but dumb joke. She's more likely to smack me but as I, she's a body, she's a bodybuilder. So no, but I know his story and, and he suffered from severe depression and ended up taking his life. And what's crazy is our, our organs have memory DNA. So the experiences we have are embedded into the DNA and a neurologist and a psychiatrist and a transplant doctor told me that I will feel, and we think of the brain as the one that's controlling all that, but and it is, but you will feel symptoms of what they felt. And so after I got the heart, it's like you have to learn to control this new drone or this puppet or this monster in, inside of you. I don't know if you know the story of the two wolves. Yeah. A kid went to his grandfather and says, Grandpa, I feel like I have two wolves in me. One of them's... Angry, upset, and just not good. The other one's happy and doing his best. And they seem to be fighting. Which one is going to win? And the grandfather says, whichever one you feed. It's the same thing with learning to control this new heart because our brains have a nerve to the heart. So most people function like a helicopter. You can start exercise, you can stop exercise, and your heart slows down. Me, there's no nerve right now to my brain, to put my brain to my heart. <sighs> my body runs on pressure and the heart beats according to the pressures of my lungs. So it's more like a jet. So if I start exercising, I can't slow down. Wow. And I have to, I can sit down, but for the next 10, 15 minutes, I'm still feeling the side effects of exercise. And it can be
1: good for some things, but not so good for most. (laughs) Wow. These are just things that most of us don't think about. And isn't that interesting too, that we feel in our heart like there's so much feeling that happens in our heart. It's just fascinating to look at it through that lens. And number one, it's amazing what we can do with technology, but number two, you know, all that comes with it. And I just can't help but to think as you're sharing your story about your brother and the person whose heart you ended up with, what a rollercoaster of emotions of a life that you've experienced. And yeah. what's one of your biggest takeaways from all of this? You know, you've gone through all of these ups and downs and seen some pretty traumatic things. You can call them lessons learned or takeaways, call it whatever we want. But You know, here you are now at this age, when you look back, you say, this is one or two of the things I've gotten from that. Two things. One, life
2: is fragile
1: and there's
2: no question in my mind, there's an afterlife. So there's no point in taking your life if you're miserable because you will wake up and go, wait a second. I want to get back into my body. It's real. (laughs) I'm not kidding. The second thing, I got the opportunity to hold my heart in my hands. Holy cow. Yeah. And I I, I had, there's actually a video I did uh, on my. uh, That just gave me chills, uh, by the the way. (laughs) A YouTube channel called All Heart Adventures. Uh, Anyways, I held my heart in my hands. I went into the lab and there to me was the evidence. I asked this guy, how in the world would this, it's all deformed. It's got stitches. There's a lot of disease on it. It's only a single functioning ventricle. It was what was giving me life. Or so I thought. I said, How in the world am I? Did this work? And they said, We're going to try to figure that out. We don't know. Something just breathes into life and that heart starts beating. And that was the day I was convinced 100% that there is a God. And you can create whatever you think in your mind God is, but there is a God. There is somebody, some amazing power who has organized this beautiful and yet very complex world where we're down here hurting each other, but ultimately we're learning about ourselves and it's a customized curriculum. I don't think we belong. Everyone belongs in the same church or everyone belongs in the same country or the same. It's a customized curriculum because God is teaching us things we most need to know. And it's going to carry with us to whatever transitions beyond, you know, call it heaven, call it the next stage. But we are in school. So I've always said this motto, stop buying crap you can't carry around with you. Invest in memories. Take your family somewhere. Do something outside that your children, that your spouse, that you will always remember. I took a bunch of guys, strangers, up to Wyoming, and we built a sauna. Like, who builds us? We took a tarp, we created this, <laughs> this. We closed it real tight with pins, clips, and stuff, and we put these rocks in the fire for like twelve hours. And then we brought them in, and like five of us all went in there. A little awkward at first, we're all in our swimsuits, but we start pouring the water on the sauna, and everyone just unloaded what they're grateful for. And at this camp, you cannot say one negative thing. It was, we're going to encourage and to honor one another. If you can't say something nice, we're gonna, like mom says, don't say it all. And it was the most profound thing. And everybody left that experience going, we take that with us. We don't take rocks. We don't take fish. But you have to create memories. So that's, that's the biggest takeaway.
1: You know, that's awesome, Paul. And I, I hope our listeners can sense the depth in Paul. This is exactly why I wanted to have you on this podcast. I mean, you can just sense the depth. And you know, I shared this once with our podcast listeners. My mom passed away from early onset Alzheimer's nine, uh, nine months ago. This ten year decline that we do watched happen slowly, and you know, you wouldn't wish that on anyone. I was standing in her closet with my other brothers and sister, who were going to, you know, we were going to clean out her closet so my dad wouldn't have to. And I had the same epiphany. You know, I looked at her dresses, and she was, she was the sweetest, lovingest, most kind person you'd ever meet. Everyone loved my mom. And she wasn't into, you know, quote unquote, things of the world. It was just, she was really about people and, and memories, experiences. She lived life to its fullest. And Paul, I remember standing in her closet and that was the same epiphany. It's it's what we know in the back of her mind. But I looked around and I saw her jewelry, her dresses, and I realized she didn't take any of this with her. There's really only two things she took with her. And that was the people's lives she touched and the memories she had with them and who she became. That's right. So, man, I couldn't echo more and agree more with, you know, what you're talking about there. And man, so powerful. See, this is what I meant. I I told you when we started the podcast, we could go for hours. Since we have about 10 minutes left, I have about another 20 questions right now in my mind, Paul, that I would love to talk with you about going down this path. But I'd like to shift over to the music side of the equation a little bit. I mean, because clearly people listening can sense the depth in you. And music, in my experience, I mean, my son, we were talking about this before we started. We've had music in our home for a long time. I can play to a degree, but my son can you know, just bring people to tears with this music as you can, because you've brought me to tears before listening to your music. And so I know it's powerful, Wow! but Thank you. you know, one thing about music is that we're talking a lot about transcending culture and race and gender and everything. And it's amazing how music has the power to seem to cut to the heart, or in other words, how could, it can evoke such a wide array of emotions in us. And I'd love to hear from your perspective, just first of all, your thoughts on music in general. I mean, this has been your entire life. You yeah. know, devoted to music. So what are your thoughts on music in general? We put on my website a link that basically
2: describes and explains the benefits, the scientific benefits of listening to music, because it does release that dopamine and it, it soothes the body. And it also brings people together. So clinically, it is proven that if you listen to certain types of music or play an instrument, you're less likely to get dementia. You do reduce the chemicals in your body of stress. There's so many benefits. Boost the immune system. but. That's kind of what I set it to do is I want to help people heal because we have a lot of depression, a lot of stress in our society today. We're just bombarded with messages that are trying to manipulate us into thinking towards what they're doing to buy whatever they're selling. And a lot of it's just crap. So how do you sell goodness? How do you, and you should promote goodness and there should be a price tag on goodness that fuels the economy to create even more goodness, so I remember getting an email, this was a couple of years ago, from a young man in Baghdad. You know, my music had really gone into 160 countries, but I didn't know it was in Iraq. And I got an email, the kid wrote in Arabic, and you can tell it was translated, Google translated, because it was a broken English. He said, my family died in first Gulf War. I took job on military base. I hate these people. I contemplate suicide. I walked past a soldier playing Redeemer. This was a song I had written about Jesus Christ. And this Muslim kid said, in that moment, I felt Allah say, you should live. You should live. And his entire family had been killed by Americans. And yet here he is working on an American military base. And God tells him, "Truth, because he heard this song. You're still here. If leave that legacy of who your family was, stay Muslim, create children who are Muslim, preserve your legacy. And I think of that and I think, wow, what a customized curriculum. And I have to respect and not try to convert somebody who God has in the palm of his hand. And so music has the power to not only just unite people, but truly heal and deliver, I think, a message from the divine to his children because we're all hurting and he wants to heal us. My God was a carpenter and carpenters love to fix things. So he's been, he's had his hands full with me. He's been working on me for
1: a very long time. So
2: that's why I wear that. That's why I wear the cross.
1: It's because that's where he worked it out. A thought that came to mind, Paul, while you're talking my mom, to go back since we had this bond through, you know, call it death. I remember driving with my mom about a year before she passed away, very far into the Alzheimer's and i don't want to call out lord of the rings cuz i love lord of the rings you know the movie but it's funny cuz we were playing who doesn't we were playing the lord of the rings soundtrack and you know of course lord of the rings has some really high and low scenes you know some really bright exciting jovial scenes and then some pretty dark scenes right and it was funny cuz one of those soundtracks was playing that was pretty intense and my mom who couldn't really express her feelings she sensed the music there's no words but she sensed the music and she looked over and said this is scary just the music and so, isn't it interesting, though, the power of a music in evoking emotions, whether it's on that side or on, you know, like you said, the joy side, the exciting, wonderful side, but it's just interesting to me how music alone, without any words, can evoke emotions within us. You know, and a lot of it is vibration because majority
2: of our body is water. And so, it's a vibration is what's happening. And so, certain tones will affect how our body reacts. So that's kind of, it's almost, you know, the whales were the first to create that music. They, they carried for hundreds of hundreds of miles, they're yeah, and that's how they were able to communicate. And we picked up music from them originally along millions of years ago. So, but yeah, you're right about your mother. And I've seen people who have Alzheimer's start singing uh, songs they learned as a kid in church. They just know it. It's muscle memory
1: isn't it interesting how we can go back to like say high school for some of us 30, 40 years ago and a song plays on the radio and like, we can pick up on the words and it's been however many decades it's been, but we can just roll right with it as if there was no time that had passed.
2: That's right. As long as it's not lady in red by Krista Burke, that means I (laughs) have to wait to see which girl I'm going to ask to slow dance. And, that cursed song
1: just play the fast songs please (laughs) so we're gonna get ready to wrap it i just can't believe how fast this guy you know i said at the beginning i knew that this would be one of those that i'm just heartbroken to to end at 30 minutes because there's so much we could talk about and maybe we do this again in the future so paul let me ask you this any final just general thoughts and then i'm going to give people the chance to hear from you you know where your website is how they can find you and follow you because i hope that people will
2: Uh, i've got a lot of issues. I got a lot of problems. It's a side effect of the transplant trauma and stuff. You know, life is not easy. Uh, It is hard. And it's easy to spew out a lot of information and conversation. But the reality is we're all struggling. And I think we need to slow down and really just get outside. We got to go outside. We are just, we are becoming slaves to everything. And the government wants us to be slaves to everything so they can control us. We need to have the flexibility in our lives to say, no, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to go look at the sun for two minutes. You know, don't stare directly into it, but I need that, that vitamin D. So, I mean, just, just observe. You know, Jesus observed the smallest birds in the trees. He was aware. I looked at that all the time. Just be aware, not of what's coming from the iPhone or from technology, but from what's
1: really going on outside on that note paul how can people find you you know website or social media yeah i have a website
2: paul cardall it's dot com, and i've got two amazing secretaries alexa and siri so if you ask alexa or siri to play paul cardall they usually remember yeah uh, paul cardall.com is the train station from there you can go i've got all these crazy adventures we're doing some of those adventures, like how to eat a worm, how to build a sauna in the camp, you know, and then there's the calm, peaceful world. And then I've got a podcast where I interview a lot of incredible people like, like Jonathan Rumi, who played Jesus in The Chosen, and to Tyler Glenn from Neon Trees, very diverse, but people's purpose. And that's called All Heart. So it's all there, paulcardall.com.
1: I hope people will go and check that out because just in this short conversation that we've had, I hope they can sense your depth and what you're offering the world. And I promise that when you listen to his music, now this is to our listeners. For those of you listening, I promise when you listen to his music, you'll feel it in your heart. Uh, You can't help but be moved. And I've been listening to Paul for years and years. And I've listened to a lot of, you know, different composers or arrangements from different people. And and what he's done is, it's just beautiful. You can, the same depth that we've heard in this conversation is translated into his music. And so that's why I want to end this podcast in a very unique way that we haven't done before that I'm aware of in over 300 podcasts. And that is to end with one of your songs. And so we talked about it beforehand. Paul said it's going to be September Winds, which is a new song I believe that he's arranged or composed. So Paul, why don't you introduce this song and then we'll wrap it up and we're going to go right into that. And I invite people in a place where they can actually focus to listen to that. Like you've talked about, you know, listen with your heart. Well, thank you
2: so much for, for having me and for everybody listening. I appreciate it. Yeah. So I've been working on this new album that helps people get through the holiday season. It can be a stressful time during the fourth quarter so september winds is the first song on the on an upcoming album called december and the idea is that things are dying the gardens but are they really dying the flowers are sleeping we have this promise that spring comes so when we maintain that perspective and as you listen to music life may be down but there's that promise that spring comes that new life happens and so it takes you from september through the new the new year kind of an advent
1: season pretty much. So yeah, sit back, relax, and don't think too much. Just enjoy. Paul, thank you so much for being here. Amazing. Appreciate you being here, brother. And for all of you, we sure appreciate you wherever you're out in the world and enjoy September Winds.
0: Thank you for listening. Would you like help to apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders in your life, in your family, or in your organization? Call us today at 888 690 8764 to speak with a helpful representative to evaluate your situation and how we can help. Or you can visit becomingyourbest.com. Whether it's a corporate training event, keynote, workshop, trainer certification or personal coaching it would be our pleasure to serve your needs once again call 888-690-8764 or visit becomingyourbest.com today